0: Chapters two and three of Book Three of Les Miserables, Volume Five, by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. Les Miserables, Volume Five, by Victor Hugo. Translated by Isabel Florence Hapgood. Book Three Mud, But the Soul. Chapter Two explanation on the day of the sixth of june a battue of the sewers had been ordered it was feared that the vanquished might have taken to them for refuge and prefect gisquet was to search occult paris while general bougeot swept public paris a double and connected operation which exacted a double strategy on the part of the public force represented above by the army and below by the police three squads of agents and sewer men explored the subterranean drain of paris the first on the right bank the second on the left bank the third in the city the agents of police were armed with carabines with bludgeons swords and poignards that which was directed at jean valjean at that moment was the lantern of the patrol of the right bank this patrol had just visited the curving gallery and the three blind alleys which lie beneath the rue du Cadran, While they were passing their lantern through the depths of these blind alleys, Jean Valjean had encountered on his path the entrance to the gallery, had perceived that it was narrower than the principal passage, and had not penetrated thither. He had passed on the police on emerging from the Galerie du Cadran had fancied that they heard the sound of footsteps in the direction of the belt sewer. They were, in fact, the steps of Jean Valjean. The sergeant in command of the patrol had raised his lantern, and the squad had begun to gaze into the mist in the direction whence the sound proceeded. This was an indescribable moment for Jean Valjean. Happily, if he saw the lantern well, The lantern saw him but ill. It was light and he was shadow. He was very far off and mingled with the darkness of the place. He hugged the wall and halted. Moreover he did not understand what it was that was moving behind him. The lack of sleep and food and his emotions had caused him also to pass into the state of a visionary. He beheld a gleam, and around that gleam forms what was it he did not comprehend jean valjean having paused the sound ceased the men of the patrol listened and heard nothing they looked and saw nothing they held a consultation there existed at that epoch at this point of the montmartre sewer a sort of crossroads called des which was afterwards suppressed on account of the little interior lake which formed there swallowing up the torrent of rain in heavy storms the patrol could form a cluster in this open space jean valjean saw these spectres form a sort of circle these bulldogs' heads approached each other closely and whispered together the result of this council held by the watch-dogs was that they had been mistaken that there had been no noise that it was useless to get entangled in the belt sewer that it would only be a waste of time but that they ought to hasten towards saint-merie that if there was anything to do and any boussingot to track out it was in that quarter from time to time parties re-soul their old insults in eighteen thirty two the word boussingot formed the interim between the word jacobin which had become obsolete and the word demagogue which has since rendered such excellent service the sergeant gave orders to turn to the left towards the watershed of the seine if it had occurred to them to separate into two squads and to go in both directions jean valjean would have been captured all hung on that thread it is probable that the instructions of the prefecture foreseeing a possibility of combat and insurgents in force had forbidden the patrol to part company the patrol resumed its march leaving jean valjean behind it of all this movement jean valjean perceived nothing except the eclipse of the lantern which suddenly wheeled round before taking his departure the sergeant in order to acquit his policeman's conscience discharged his gun in the direction of jean valjean the detonation rolled from echo to echo in the crypt like the rumbling of that titanic entrail a bit of plaster which fell into the stream and splashed up the water a few paces away from jean valjean warned him that the ball had struck the arch over his head slow and measured steps resounded for some time on the timber-work gradually dying away as they retreated to a greater distance the group of black forms vanished a glimmer of light oscillated and floated communicating to the vault a reddish glow which grew fainter then disappeared the silence became profound once more the obscurity became complete blindness and deafness resumed possession of the shadows and jean valjean not daring to stir as yet remained for a long time leaning with his back against the wall with straining ears and dilated pupils watching the disappearance of that phantom patrol chapter three the spun man this justice must be rendered to the police of that period that even in the most serious public junctures it imperturbably fulfilled its duties connected with the sewers and surveillance a revolt was in its eyes no pretext for allowing malefactors to take the bit in their own mouths and for neglecting society for the reason that the government was in peril The ordinary service was performed correctly in company with the extraordinary service, and was not troubled by the latter. In the midst of an incalculable political event already begun, under the pressure of a possible revolution, a police-agent spun a thief without allowing himself to be distracted by insurrection and barricades. It was something precisely parallel which took place on the afternoon of the sixth of june on the banks of the seine on the slope of the right shore a little beyond the pont des invalides there is no longer any bank there now the aspect of the locality has changed on that bank two men separated by a certain distance seemed to be watching each other while mutually avoiding each other The one who was in advance was trying to get away, the one in the rear was trying to overtake the other. It was like a game of checkers played at a distance and in silence. Neither seemed to be in any hurry, and both walked slowly, as though each of them feared by too much haste to make his partner redouble his pace. One would have said that it was an appetite following its prey and purposely without wearing the air of doing so. The prey was crafty and on its guard. The proper relations between the hunted pole-cat and the hunting-dog were observed. The one who was seeking to escape had an insignificant mien, and not an impressive appearance. The one who was seeking to seize him was rude of aspect, and must have been rude to encounter. The first conscious that he was the more feeble, avoided the second, but he avoided him in a manner which was deeply furious. Any one who could have observed him would have discerned in his eyes the sombre hostility of flight and all the menace that fear contains. The shore was deserted; there were no passers-by, not even a boatman nor a lighter man was in the skiffs which were moored here and there. It was not easy to see these two men except from the key opposite, and to any person who had scrutinized them at that distance, the man who was in advance would have appeared like a bristling, tattered, and equivocal being, who was uneasy and trembling beneath a ragged blouse, and the other like a classic and official personage, wearing the frock-coat of authority buttoned to the chin perchance the reader might recognize these two men if he were to see them closer at hand what was the object of the second man probably to succeed in clothing the first more warmly when a man clothed by the state pursues a man in rags it is in order to make of him a man who is also clothed by the state only the whole question lies in the color to be dressed in blue is glorious To be dressed in red is disagreeable. There is a purple from below. It is probably some unpleasantness and some purple of this sort which the first man is desirous of shirking. If the other allowed him to walk on and had not seized him as yet, it was, judging from all appearances, in the hope of seeing him lead up to some significant meeting-place and to some group worth catching. This delicate operation is called spinning. What renders this conjecture entirely probable is that the buttoned-up man, on catching sight from the shore of a hackney-coach on the quay as it was passing along empty, made a sign to the driver. The driver understood, evidently recognized the person with whom he had to deal, turned about and began to follow the two men at the top of the quay at a foot-pace this was not observed by the slouching and tattered personage who was in advance the hackney coach rolled along the trees of the champs-elysees the bust of the driver whip in hand could be seen moving along above the parapet one of the secret instructions of the police authorities to their agents contains this article always have on hand a hackney coach in case of emergency While these two men were maneuvering, each on his own side, with irreproachable strategy, they approached an inclined plane on the quay which descended to the shore, and which permitted cab-drivers arriving from Passy to come to the river and water their horses. This inclined plane was suppressed later on, for the sake of symmetry. Horses may die of thirst, but the eye is gratified. It is probable that the man in the blouse had intended to ascend this inclined plane with a view to making his escape into the Champs Elysees, a place ornamented with trees, but in return much infested with policemen and where the other could easily exercise violence. This point on the quay is not very far distant from the house brought to Paris from Moret in eighteen twenty-four by Colonel Brack and designated as the House of Francois I. A guard-house is situated close at hand. To the great surprise of his watcher, the man who was being tracked did not mount by the inclined plane for watering. He continued to advance along the quay on the shore. His position was visibly becoming critical. What was he intending to do if not to throw himself into the Seine? henceforth there existed no means of ascending to the quay there was no other inclined plane no staircase and they were near the spot marked by the bend in the seine towards the pont de where the bank growing constantly narrower ended in a slender tongue and was lost in the water there he would inevitably find himself blocked between the perpendicular wall on his right the river on his left and in front of him and the authorities on his heels. It is true that this termination of the shore was hidden from sight by a heap of rubbish, six or seven feet in height, produced by some demolition or other. But did this man hope to conceal himself effectually behind that heap of rubbish which one need but skirt? The expedient would have been puerile. He certainly was not dreaming of such a thing the innocence of thieves does not extend to that point the pile of rubbish formed a sort of projection at the water's edge which was prolonged in a promontory as far as the wall of the quay the man who was being followed arrived at this little mound and went round it so that he ceased to be seen by the other the latter as he did not see could not be seen He took advantage of this fact to abandon all dissimulation and to walk very rapidly. In a few moments he had reached the rubbish heap and passed round it. There he halted in sheer amazement. The man whom he had been pursuing was no longer there. Total eclipse of the man in the blouse the shore beginning with the rubbish-heap was only about thirty paces long then it plunged into the water which beat against the wall of the quay the fugitive could not have thrown himself into the seine without being seen by the man who was following him what had become of him the man in the buttoned-up coat walked to the extremity of the shore and remained there in thought for a moment his fists clenched his eyes searching All at once he smote his brow. He had just perceived, at the point where the land came to an end and the water began, a large iron grating, low, arched, garnished with a heavy lock and with three massive hinges. This grating, a sort of door pierced at the base of the quay, opened on the river as well as on the shore. A blackish stream passed under it. This stream discharged into the seine. Beyond the heavy, rusty iron bars, a sort of dark and vaulted corridor could be descried. The man folded his arms and stared at the grating with an air of reproach. As this gaze did not suffice, he tried to thrust it aside. He shook it. It resisted solidly. It is probable that it had just been opened, although no sound had been heard a singular circumstance in so rusty a grating but it is certain that it had been closed again this indicated that the man before whom that door had just opened had not a hook but a key this evidence suddenly burst upon the mind of the man who was trying to move the grating and evoked from him this indignant ejaculation that is too much a government key then immediately regaining his composure he expressed a whole world of interior ideas by this outburst of monosyllables accented almost ironically come 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 that said and in the hope of something or other either that he should see the man emerge or other men enter he posted himself on the watch behind a heap of rubbish with the patient rage of a pointer the hackney-coach which regulated all its movements on his had in its turn halted on the quay above him close to the parapet the coachman foreseeing a prolonged wait encased his horse's muzzles in the bag of oats which is damp at the bottom and which is so familiar to parisians to whom be it said in parenthesis the government sometimes applies it The rare passers by on the Pont de Jena turned their heads, before they pursued their way, to take a momentary glance at these two motionless items in the landscape, the man on the shore, the carriage on the quay. End of Book Three, Chapters Two and Three.